He's a native Texan, a student of Ben Franklin and John Locke, and he's a Christian conservative political activist. He's a true believer in the principles that this country was founded upon and comes to you every day to guide, advise, and lead you to become involved in the greatest political experiment in the history of our planet, self-governance. We don't get fooled again. He's Matt Long, and this is The Matt Long Show. Good morning, folks. So happy to be here with you on a gorgeous Thursday morning. Tonight is the uh, regular meeting of the Fredericksburg Tea Party. So that is at the top of your calendar today. Uh, make your way over to Fredericksburg tonight. Our This has been, for many years, a traditional, really fun meeting, and it just gets fancier and funner every year, if, there, if that's a word. Um, and uh, so tonight... The And the doors will open a little bit earlier than usual, of course, because it's campaign season. So we will, uh, we basically the doors will be open around 5.30. And um, you can come in and hopefully candidates will be there and uh, get to meet and greet candidates. Again, just ask you to please, this is meet and greet and, you know, get a minute or two with them. This is not the time to uh, discuss your philosophy on, uh, you know, whatever it is, and, and corner a candidate for 15 minutes while other people are waiting to speak to him. So please, use some manners if you want to get into a really in-depth uh, discussion with the candidate. Exchange business cards, and I'll be willing to bet. Listen, here's a good sign. If the candidate is not willing to meet with you later on to discuss this at length, then yeah, you need to look at the other candidates, all right? So um, meet and greet, bring your uh, cards, your business card or your calling card. And if you want to go really go into deep with someone, um, then, uh, yeah, the exchange cards with them and make that arrangement uh, at another time. So uh, tonight at 530, the doors will open. We will uh, be serving dinner at 6, and uh, we have an amazing meal uh, prepared for us every month over there. And uh, so, man, we need you tonight. And uh, 6.30, the meeting will start. And we have just an amazing lineup for that tonight. We've been talking about it for two weeks now. So get yourself in gear tonight. Get over to the St. Joseph's Hall at 212 West of San Antonio. That is left off a number of the flyers. Um but it is West San Antonio, 212 West San Antonio in Fredericksburg, and we start promptly at 6.30. Um, all right, looking on out uh, the 15th, this is I've got three events on next Thursday. Um, one of them, actually, I have, there's four events next Thursday, and I only have three of them on here. So what we have, let's see, we'll start with the earliest one. Second Amendment Focus Group uh, will be having their regular third Thursday, starting up their third Thursday meetings again at Altos de Jalisco in Fredericksburg. I guess if we uh, pronounce Altos de Jalisco in a nice Hispanic um, uh, accent, maybe we should pronounce Fredericksburg, you know, Friedrichsburg or something like that. Uh, uh, but anyway, that is at 1230 at uh, Second Amendment Focus Group next Thursday at Altos de Jalisco. 
Also, during the day, I have an event going on. It is not written down. It is at the Ag Barn, I believe, in Kerrville. And uh, that's with Sid Miller and Wes Verdell. And that is uh, during the day. And I, I have it in my head, but not written down. Also on the 15th at 6.30 that night at the YO Conference Center is a candidate forum for uh, Kerrville and uh, Kerr County. And then also on the 15th at 6 o'clock at Buzzy's Barbecue in Kerrville, uh, the Hill Country Preppers. And uh, so they're going to be having their monthly meeting. And uh, they've got uh, they got beekeepers there this time. So beekeepers, how cool is that? Um then, going out on the 19th, we have the Hill Country Patriots uh, are going to be bringing the primary candidates to Faith Christian Church in Kerrville. All of these, I'll give you all the details as we get closer. I do have some news from Jalise Middleton. Texted her yesterday. I said, uh, we've got a lot of people out here praying for you. Y'all don't make me a liar. If it's just Gail and I praying for um, Jalise, we, we, I need y'all to, to say some prayers for the Middletons today because I told her we were all praying for her out here in the Hill Country. They are still. Here was the the um, note from uh, Jalise, and if you don't know who Jalise and Mark Middleton are, they were um, January 6th uh, political hostages. Uh, they never even went into the Capitol, and yet yesterday they had to or the day before they had to be in Washington, D.C. to defend themselves from several felonies and several misdemeanors. And, folks, they did not even enter the Capitol building. So Jalise and her husband were on trial. I believe it started Monday, yesterday. I No, it was yeah, yesterday I texted her, and I said, and here was the reply I got from Jalise. We are still in trial. We're expecting it to end possibly tomorrow. That would be today. So far, things look favorable, but the worst is yet to come. So they were actually in the courtroom, and uh, I really don't, I didn't uh, press her for any more uh, information than that. All right, we're going to bring you some, uh, so yes, please keep praying for Jalise and Mark Middleton. Going to bring you some uh, words of wisdom from Ben Franklin before we go, and my page just flipped over. So, um, uh, there, uh, okay, I guess if my page flipped over, we're going to go with this page. Um, ben Franklin, this is 1757. It may have been, uh, no, 1758. I believe this may have been the last um, uh, almanac, uh, 1758. And uh, he says in there, he says, he's that, he... I'm going to put it into our English. If you are content, you've got enough. If you're complaining, you've got too much. In uh, uh, our um, language uh, that Ben wrote this, he said, He that's content hath enough. He that complains has too much. All right, folks, uh, y'all stay tuned. We're going to take a short break. By the way, I'm going to be bringing both interviews with the um, candidates for county attorney in Gillespie County. I have completed those interviews, and we'll be playing both of those today. So y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. He owns the largest collection of do-rags in Gillespie County. He's Matt Long.
Hill Country Patriot. All right, we are back. Thank you so much for staying tuned. And as I do nearly every Thursday, of course, last two weeks we were, it didn't quite work out that way. And we were on Fridays, but welcome back to Thursday. And welcome back, my good friend, the owner, operator, and uh, chief bottle washer at Tejas Smoke Depot in Fredericksburg. Good morning, Jody. Good morning, Matt. How are you today? We are. Uh, all things are good here. So uh, looking forward to the meeting tonight. Um, the Tejas Smoke Depot is on the west end of town, folks, of uh, Fredericksburg. And they have all your tobacco needs right there. In fact, I believe this past year we're voted as the number one place in uh, Fredericksburg for your tobacco needs. Tell us about your cigars. Well, we have about a 150-square-foot walk-in humidor with about probably 50 different brands of cigars with uh, several styles in each brand. And um, they range from about $2.50 a stick to $20 a stick. So there's a wide variety of fine cigars to pick from, um, ranging from, you know, a value price all the way to a higher end. Price. And, uh, you know, we also carry little cigars that are not humidored for those smokers that are just wanting to try something different. They come in different flavors and styles also. Um, and, of course, we have a whole variety of tobacco products also, from cigarettes to roll-your-own tobacco, snuff, chews, vape products. Uh, you name it, just about anything you can think about it goes with tobacco we probably have it and if we don't have it we will definitely try to get it for you um jody speaking of cigars um every week uh you have a well almost every week but occasionally you have uh you put a cigar or a brand uh or a tip or a, a particular cigar on special to encourage people to try something new do you have a a special cigar this week yeah, this week we're going to put out the Onyx Reserve. It's got about a 94 uh, rating with Cigar Aficionado. It's a medium to full-bodied Maduro wrap, square press. It, we have about four different styles to choose from. I think there's only six out there, so if there's one that you want to go don't have, just let us know. We'll get it in there. It's a Dominican cigar, and... Uh, it's a very smooth smoking cigar. They've been around since about 2000, I think, is when they were established. So. Okay, uh, so that sounds great. The Onyx Reserve is the special this week. Folks, they also, not only besides all your tobacco needs, everything from snuff and and chew and, and pipe tobacco and, and, and cigarettes and vaping products and then all the way to the cigars, they also have a really good convenience store selection and uh, soda pop, wine and beer, ice, um, you know, when you're going to need the ice. Maybe not quite this morning. If you had a cooler, you might have needed ice in it. Um, but they have ice and uh, all your other convenience store uh, needs. Tell us, Jody, what your hours of business are. We're open Monday through Friday, 8 to 8. 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., and then Saturday, 9 a.m. to 7 p.m., and then we're closed on Sunday. Okay, and another thing we've been doing here ever since, you know, we're 
probably close to four years that uh, Jody has been uh, calling in every Thursday. And uh, we give out a phrase that pays every Thursday. And if you go in uh, in the following week, uh, that day or on, uh, and give them the phrase that pays when you're checking out, that gives you an instant discount, plus get your name in the hat for a monthly drawing we do on the first Thursday of every month. So what is the phrase that pays today, Jody? There's an old FDR quote, a smooth sea never made a skilled sailor. Oh, a smooth sea never made a skilled sailor. Man, there's a lot of truth in that one. Um, the uh, folks, I want to give you, so if you give that phrase uh, when you go in, that'll get you an instant discount and get your name in the hat for a drawing. And uh, Jody just gave you their hours, and they're closed on Sundays. I'm going to give you the direction. If you're in Fredericksburg on Main Street, head west on Main Street, and when you get to the Y at the end of the town, bear to the left, and I don't say that very often on this program, but at that Y you can bear to the left, and uh, a wee bit down on the left, you'll see the Tejas Smoke Depot. And you can, if remember, if you have your kids in the truck, make a counterclockwise circle around the building, and uh, that'll pull you right up to the uh, drive-by window. Please do not drive through the window. It is a drive-by window. And pull up next to it. Tell us, how's your, how's your newest grandbaby doing? Oh, well, he is doing fabulous. He just rolled over for the first time yesterday, and he's on his way to spend the day with Grandma today. So he's excited about that. Oh, how exciting. That's got to be fun. Jody, did we miss it? I think we about covered it all. It's good to be back home and take care of business. All right, there you go, Jody, and uh, hopefully hopefully, we'll see you and Dave tonight at the Guns and Roses meeting. If not, we'll talk to you next time we see you. Thank you again for sponsoring and supporting this program, Jody. Thank you, Matt, and you will see us tonight. Looking forward to it. All right, folks. Um, so, Jody Gould, the Tejas Smoke Depot, y'all give her some business. In fact, you need to give business to everybody that advertises on this radio program, everybody on this radio station, because we can only continue. Hey, this is not NPR. We don't get money from the government, okay? We don't get government money. The only money we get is when people advertise on this program, and they're only going to advertise if they think the listeners are going to go by and do business with them. So in order to keep the Hill Country Patriot and the Matt Long Show and Harley and Lorraine, all of these people on the air, you got to do business with our advertisers. So there you go. And um, we are, I'm, I'm kind of scooting things a little bit ahead today because I have two um, interviews of the two candidates for uh, that are on the Republican primary for Gillespie County Attorney. Um, I've got the incumbent, Mr. Wadsworth, and then the challenger, Ms. Neal. I will play Mrs. Ms. Neal's interview first, and uh, then we'll take a break, and I'll come back and play the interview of the incumbent, Mr. Wadsworth. And I ask them the same series of questions. Um, neither one of them got to hear the other one's answers, and I did that on purpose, and uh, that I want to play them both today. So we're going to take a short break, and uh, when we get back, I will be playing the Sarah Neal interview. So y'all stay tuned. 
He's a teacher and activist. In an effort to alleviate the effects of the anyone, anyone? And your host. Anyone? Matt Long on the Hill Country Patriot. Anyone? All right, we are back. Uh, you're listening to your information station in the Hill Country, the Hill Country Patriot, on your uh, on your FM dial. If you're in the Hill Country, you can find us at 104.3 FM and uh, 102.1 FM. And uh, we're also screaming live around the world on Hill Country Patriot, and that's where my mom listens. Good morning, Mom. And uh, also occasionally have some friends in Northern Ireland that listen in, listen. In fact, when my mom goes to Northern Ireland, as she does every spring, she'll be listening in Northern Ireland about tea time. So that's uh, coming up. I think she heads that way in uh, late March, I believe, is when she's heading uh, back to her annual sojourn to Northern Ireland. So local, 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 local. Those are the elections where that has the most impact on your life. Your county attorney is a very, very important position. And um, many, um, including myself, have never completely fully understood the job of the county attorney. So I hope some of the questions that I ask these two candidates um, may clear up. Well, it cleared up for me some of my questions I had for a county attorney. So the first one is Sarah Neal, and this is Sarah Neal, and I did this interview, uh, when did I do this? Two days ago, I believe. Um, and so it's all cleared, cleaned up. I edited myself. I did not edit a single word or phrase of uh, Sarah Neal, but uh, there, were a, <laughs> there was one little area in there where I just stumbled and it's like I don't have to put that on the air I'm recording this so this is Sarah Neal's interview that I did with her for county attorney Gillespie County attorney okay folks I have on the line with me Miss Sarah Neal and she is running for a county attorney of Gillespie County and um, that is uh, that is a seat that has someone in it right now. It has not been vacated. And so the first question I always ask um, folks if when uh, they're challenging an incumbent is why why do you feel that the incumbent why do you feel that the current county attorney needs to be replaced? Well, that's an excellent question, and there's uh, it's a three part answer really. The first part of it is, is that I am a currently a defense attorney here in Fredericksburg, practicing primarily in Gillespie County. And so I have the opportunity to go against the current county attorney's office regularly as the county attorney's office is responsible for prosecuting misdemeanor offenses in the county. And through those experiences, I have noticed that particularly in the jury trial arena the last two years, the outcomes of the jury trials for the state have not been, in my professional opinion, and as a former prosecutor, what they should be. So what I mean by that is in the last two years, there's been eight jury trials that the county attorney's office has prosecuted, and five of them resulted in losses for the county attorney's office. So prosecutors are supposed to seek justice and not just convictions, and I absolutely agree with that. That's an ethical oath. The prosecutors must adhere to but 
Prosecutors also need to vet which cases go to trial, that they're taking the right cases to trial because it costs a lot of taxpayer dollars. Law enforcement has to come off the streets and come in to testify. You've got jurors who are coming in, 80 to 150 jurors who are coming in, uh, having to miss work to sit through that trial. And all of those things require wisdom and discernment on which cases are worth spending taxpayer dollars and having people come in and sit through jury selection and sit through jury duty. Because the outcomes were not, in my professional opinion, what they should be, and I live in Gillespie County, that was concerning to me because I want to live in a community where justice is consistently done. And in addition to that, uh, the criminal investigations in some of the cases are missing certain things that are key to making sure convictions can be got on those cases. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's something that the county attorney's office can work collaboratively with law enforcement to make sure that when the county attorney's office is accepting a case, that it has all the necessary evidence there to get a conviction. And then the third point that I'm seeing is that there is tremendous growth in the number of juvenile cases in our county. It just seems like in the last few years, they're just shot up a number of juvenile cases. And juvenile cases are unique because it's part criminal law and part civil law. And working with, again, community players to get the best outcomes on those cases, because in juvenile law, you've got to balance the interest of the safety of the community with the interest of what's best for that child, which is not how it is in adult criminal prosecution. In adult criminal prosecution, we're concerned about safety of the community. We're not concerned about what's best for the accused. And the growing rapid number of cases, there needs to be some education in the community, partnering with the high school, partnering with the middle school, uh, partnering with parents to educate them on what we're seeing in the juvenile world, because I think there's a lack of understanding of what constitutes a juvenile offense. So those are the three reasons that I uh, was inspired to run for the Office of County Attorney. Give us a general, just an overall general job description of the county attorney. Absolutely. So the county attorney's office is responsible for prosecuting all of the misdemeanor criminal offenses in the county. So that includes everything from traffic tickets that are not within the Fredericksburg city limits to class A misdemeanors. Class A misdemeanors are going to be your driving while intoxicated seconds, your assault family violence and anything in between that, criminal mischief, petty theft, uh, all those kind of offenses. Additionally, the county attorney's office is the only prosecutorial entity in the county which prosecutes juvenile offenses, which include felony juvenile offenses. And um, that's a heavy responsibility that the county attorney's office has. The county attorney's office also does protective orders in some instances where there's family violence cases, they will do protective orders essentially for free for individuals who are the victims of family violence who need a protective order for their safety. And the county attorney's office also provides um, legal research and things like that to the commissioner's court if they request it or other county entities can ask for a legal opinion from the county attorney. But the county attorney's office in Gillespie County does not necessarily represent the county in a legal sense in civil litigation. It's really a criminal prosecution focus. 
Okay, that's good. I think you may have answered my uh, next question, which has to do with the role of a county attorney. You know, if my company or if I decide to uh, to put an attorney uh, uh, on retainers, uh, when I call that attorney and say, hey, it's time to get to work, his job is to defend me, right? Not, not anybody else. It, is the county attorney, is that their job to defend the attorney everywhere, all the, or defend the county everywhere all the time? Oh, the, the county attorney, the county attorney's job primarily is in criminal prosecution. Again, mm -hmm. uh, they can provide legal, legal opinions to different county entities. And in some situations, the commissioners may request that the county attorney do some representation of the county, but generally that's going to be referred out to a specialized attorney who does that kind of civil litigation on behalf of the county and potentially through TAC, the Texas Association of Counties, that representation can come through TAC, the Texas Association of Counties, and the insurance that the county pays to TAC. So what you're saying is if a citizen had an issue with the county or anyone, anybody in the county and they, they wanted to sue them or take them to court, it sounds like that then the county would bring in outside counsel. Is that what you're telling me? Yes. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. That was one I needed cleared up for me. Um, then let's get to arrest. This is one that... Uh, <clears throat> You know, I've, I guess I, I really don't watch those legal procedure TV shows very much, but what role does the county attorney play after any arrest in the county? And I'm leaving it wide open because there may be different roles depending on the type of arrest. But the sheriff arrests someone or the police arrests someone. On every arrest, does the county attorney have some kind of say or... or Explain that to me. So it's not going to be every arrest. The reason and the time that a county, the county attorney's office would get involved would be after the arrest is made and the law enforcement entity, whether it be Fredericksburg Police Department or the sheriff's office or the troopers or the game warden, once they have made, they finalize their case, then they submit the case to the county attorney's office for review and the county attorney's office can then accept or reject the case or request more information at that time before they accept the case. And then once the case is formally accepted by the county attorney's office, then it gets filed in the court system. That is when the county attorney's office gets involved when law enforcement submits that case. Now, there can be sp special circumstances, particularly, you know, juvenile cases and officers working up a juvenile case out uh, in the field. They may call the county attorney's office to make sure that they're doing it correctly or to you know, bounce some questions off of in a direction they should go or things they should look for. And then the county attorney's office can get involved at that time as well. And additionally, magistrates, the justices of the peace who do the jail magistration after someone's arrested, they're entitled to be magistrated. Uh, that's normally when bail is first set. A magistrate or justice of the peace may have a question and they may, you know, direct that question to the county attorney's office. So the county attorney can get involved pretty much after any arrest, but the only arrests that the county attorney is going to potentially prosecute are only going to be those misdemeanors and juvenile offenses. The felonies would go to the district attorney's office. Senate Bill 4, which passed during the fourth special session of the 88th legislature, I believe it was uh, this last summer sometime when the fourth special session passed Senate Bill 4. And 
this, um, are you familiar with this bill? I am familiar with this bill. I believe you're referring to the new codes that are on the book that are supposed to come into effect actually on the primary election day of March 5th of 2024 regarding illegal entry into the state and illegal aliens. So do you have as a county attorney have discretion whether to um, file charges? Let's say um, one of our sheriffs picks up someone with no license, no ID, they've been driving, they have a reasonable suspicion or they finally the guy actually says, yeah, I'm here illegally. Does that come to the county attorney and do you have discretion on whether to press those charges or go forward with them? Read uh, this new law that's going to come into effect is once an individual is arrested for illegally being in the state, okay. then, then those cases would be referred potentially. There's kind of two ways it could go, and I'll, I'll address it actually hitting the court system versus the magistration and agreement of that person to agree to be sent back um, from the country they entered from. Okay. If we're going through the court system way then again it would be the same procedure law enforcement would work up their case whichever law enforcement entity that is they would then turn that case into the county attorney's office if it is a misdemeanor which these do start as misdemeanors but if there are prior convictions for this same offense then it can increase the punishment range then then at that time the county attorney's office would review that case so the discretion element is going to come in if if the office reviews the case and there is not enough evidence to prove that there has actually been a violation, so what would that be? Possibly an illegal traffic stop. Uh, mm -hmm. That would be an, a reason why the case might be rejected, okay? Or uh, improper, you know, they don't have a proper identification of the suspect. That could potentially be an issue. A case would be rejected, something to that effect. But short of a legal failing of the case where more investigation would need to be done or some kind of constitutional element wasn't met or right was violated, then then as county attorney, if I were to be elected, I absolutely would accept the case. Uh, my duty as a prosecutor is to enforce the law, not to have really opinions about if the law is good or bad. But I do understand, I believe I understand why this law was created and what it's trying to address. So I have no problem um, enforcing this law as it is written at this time. Okay, we've. I have seen reports of uh, county attorneys, district attorneys, who say, "Don't bother bringing those to us because we're not even going to take them up." Mm -hmm. um, is that? Are they going to be in violation of something if they do that, or is that just the discretion of the county attorney? Well, they will. They can be in violation. Uh, there is even in this last legislative session, or it might have been the time before. I think it was this last one. There was even new changes to the laws regarding what what a prosecutor can do as far as just announcing that they're no longer going to or from this time forward going to not prosecute what's called a class of case. So in this instance, the class of case would be illegal uh, immigration, illegal aliens, this chapter uh, 5B or chapter 51 of the penal code. If an, if an elected prosecutor announced that they were going to reject that class of cases, that can set them up to be prosecuted, basically the prosecutor themselves, for not enforcing the law. So mm -hmm. I, I don't see a reason to um, not follow the law. 
Uh, again, the prosecutor's role is to enforce the law. If the law turns out to not be constitutional, that happens through the appellate court system. That doesn't happen at the trial court level, which is where the prosecutor is acting. And it's up to the state legislature, who of course, as you very well know, are elected by the people to, to determine what the laws are going to be, right? Mm -hmm. So the role yes. of the prosecutor isn't to decide either of those other options. I don't decide what the law is going to be. I don't decide if the law is constitutional. I enforce the law as a prosecutor. I give you an opportunity if you want to take a, a moment to give a stump speech. The floor is yours, Miss Neal. Well, thank you very much, and I appreciate you having me on the air. I am the daughter of a U.S. Navy captain and a public school teacher, and my parents brought me up, moving me all over the great United States of America and overseas, and I learned from them public service and putting others before self, and even with my dad being willing to risk his life for our way of life here in the United States. Mm. And through that way of growing up, I came to really value the United States Constitution and my parents' home state of Texas, the Texas Constitution as well, and the rights and privileges we have under the United States Constitution. And because of that, I sought to work in public service after I went to college, I briefly spent some time in the classroom as a teacher and I left the classroom for the courtroom when I had a student of mine approach me after class and ask me to please speak on his behalf to the school administration because he felt that if I was the one doing the talking, it would solve the problem and if he did the talking, it would not. And it was at that moment I realized I missed my calling, which is to speak for those who cannot speak for themselves and I pursued a law degree and when I was in law school, I interned at the Bear County DA's office, which is how I uh, came to know and understand the world of criminal prosecutions. And I prosecuted there for a few years and tried a bunch of driving law intoxicated cases, sometimes up to two a week. And then I moved to Corpus and also worked in the Nueces County District Attorney's Office as a felony first chair prosecutor. And ultimately after my husband and I started our family, he wanted to return here home to Fredericksburg to raise his kids in the same community he grew up that valued hard work, honesty, and being involved in the community. And we have been here ever since. And when I first got here, I worked as the first assistant at the Gillespie County Attorney's Office. And I enjoyed that work. Uh, very much but after becoming pregnant with our third child. I resigned from that position so that I could focus more on my small children. All three of my kids are now full-time in school, and I'd like to return to public service to bring back justice to Gillespie County the way that I believe our community desires and deserves. Sarah, thank you so much for um, taking the time and uh, doing this interview with me. Um, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right, folks, there you go. That was Sarah That was Sarah Neal, who is challenging Stephen Wadsworth, who is the current county attorney. And, yes, I know my mic, my gain was turned up too high. I hope I got it. I'm pretty sure I got it fixed for the Stephen Wadsworth interview, which is coming up next. Y'all stay tuned. 100% He's 100% Texan. <laughs> Matt Log on the Hill Country Patriot. Next time, July All right, we are back. You're listening to the Matt Long Show on your information station, bringing you conservative. No, start that over. Christian, conservative, 
Texas politics with a focus on citizen engagement, wanting you to get involved. And, man, I want you to get involved in early voting. So here is my interview with Stephen Wadsworth, the current uh, county attorney for Gillespie County. All right, folks, I have on the line with me Mr. Stephen Wadsworth, and he is currently the uh, Gillespie County attorney. And he is being challenged here coming up in the primary in March. And uh, so I wanted to have him on to uh, talk about his office and his job. And so, uh, Mr. Wadsworth, thank you so much for uh, joining me today. And thank you for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. So, uh, first of all, let's start with just a general job description of the county attorney. Uh, certainly, certainly. We're an office that's created by the Texas Constitution, and then our duties are primarily outlined in Article 2 of the Texas Code of Criminal Procedure, and our basic duties are to represent the state in all misdemeanor prosecutions in our county and uh, also in all juvenile cases. And then also, if we are asked by our uh, commissioner's court, then you know we'll assist uh, the county in kind of some civil matters. There is some variation among the counties because it is meant to be tailored to each county, but that's generally what we do. Our job uh, in Article 201 of the Texas Code of Criminal Procedure is our primary duty of all prosecuting attorneys is not to convict, but to see that justice is done. All right, that's good to hear. Um, you know, if I were to um, put a, an attorney on retainer or my company to were to put a return, an attorney on retainer, what that would mean then is when I need him or when I get in trouble or what have you, I call him up and it's his job to defend me. So is the county attorney's job to defend the county if, if a citizen or someone were to uh, bring a complaint to the county or sue the county? Is that the county attorney's job to defend the county? No, sir. Not in most counties. Uh, in some counties, some of your larger counties, they do have a civil division, and it would be. In Gillespie County, we have an insurance policy that provides coverage in the event that we're sued and then the uh, insurance carrier would provide uh, an attorney to defend us. Very similar to your auto insurance policy. You know, if you're in a, a car wreck, car accident, your insurance carrier is generally going to provide you with an attorney. Now, having said that, if the commissioner's court asks me to help, um, then certainly, you know, I'm available to help and assist the county in any way. Fortunately, while I've been in office, we haven't really had any actual lawsuits filed against us that I'm aware of. Okay, um, let's talk about the the role of the county attorney after any arrest in the county and I'm leaving this completely wide open because I have not watched enough of the uh, TV law and order shows so um, so someone gets arrested in the county alright let's just, I don't, yes, police, sheriff, I don't know, juvenile, adult, whatever, someone gets arrested what does the role then of the county attorney play? Do they are they the ones that always bring the charges or decide when or whether to bring charges? Explain that to me. Certainly, certainly, that's an excellent question. 
Um, and I would always caution all listeners that TV's TV. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, know, I know a lot of people watch them, but um, d- definitely. No, what we do is in our county, generally speaking, the district attorney handles all felony cases and my office handles all misdemeanor cases. So with misdemeanor cases, if there is an arrest, we start tracking the case from arrest and then we are watching uh that arrest to be sure that eventually law enforcement uh, gets us the case file and the evidence once they've completed their investigation and have decided what, if any, charges are appropriate based on the uh, the evidence in the case. And then we kind of take, I like to call it kind of a handoff, and then we sort of take the handoff from law enforcement and then we do uh, our review and make our determination as to uh, what, if any, charges are appropriate to actually be filed in court. Uh, we also, if there's a victim involved, uh, we'll usually try to reach out and, and uh, consult with them as well. Okay. Um, during the 88th legislative session, we had four special sessions. Uh, fortunately, we just found out that they are uh, doing a repair work on the floor of the Texas House, so we get no more special sessions this year. Uh, thank goodness. But during the fourth special session, um, the 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 uh, Texas legislature and then the governor signed what we call uh, S Senate Bill Four, which has to do with the arrest and the bringing of charges against any illegal aliens arrested uh, in the state of Texas. Can you tell us how 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 do you, how are you going to deal with that if that law goes into effect on March fifth? Certainly. Um, I- I think we can all agree that we have a real problem and and I don't want to sound alarmist, but I would call it basically a crisis on the border right now. And my office most certainly is going to enforce that law to the fullest extent possible. Um, depending on exactly what they have done and how they got here, it could be a misdemeanor or it could be a felony. So obviously we, you know, my stand ready to prosecute any and all misdemeanor offenses like that um, and you know we'll obviously help the district attorney's office if asked as well but we certainly intend to prosecute them um, I think we're all just kind of playing a wait and see game right now to see what happens with that uh, piece of legislation coming out of the out of the courts and mm-hmm. it's not too much long before it's supposed to take effect unless it gets tied up in the courts yeah, that's what we're all seeing. I think March 5th was the date um, that it's supposed to go into effect, but like you said, I think it is hanging up in courts right now. So there are some county attorneys across the state that are basically have said that uh, if this law goes into effect, uh, they're telling the sheriffs and the police, don't bring us these people, we're not going to enforce this law. Um, is what do you think about that? Are those uh, county or district attorneys, is is that going to be an issue? Yes, sir. The short answer is yes, sir. I think it could be an issue. Uh, part of what was also passed this legislative session is what's oftentimes referred to or commonly called the Rogue Prosecutor Act. And that was meant to exactly address those kind of issues. Prosecutors don't get to pick and choose which laws they want to enforce. They have to enforce all laws that are you know valid in the state of Texas so if that law is cleared to be enforced I don't think that any prosecutor 
can choose not to enforce it, or if they do, they may be subject to removal from office. All right. Uh, from my listeners and the people on my radio program, those were basic the, the questions that they wanted me to ask our our uh, county attorney candidates, and so I've done that, and um, I give you an opportunity now to give a stump speech, and um, so the floor is yours. This is Stephen Wadsworth, who is the uh, Gillespie County attorney at present, so the floor is yours, sir. Well, thank you very much, and I, I greatly appreciate this opportunity, and I, I want to thank you very much for having me on your show. Um, as Mr. Long said, my name is Steve Wadsworth. I am currently the Gillespie County Attorney, uh, and I'm, I know how most people are with political speeches, and I'm the same, so I do intend to keep it brief. Uh, basic information about me is that I'm 56. I have been married for 35 years to my college sweetheart, Candace. We have three beautiful children and one precious granddaughter. Mm. My wife is a sixth-generation Gillespie County resident. She was born and raised here. Uh, we're living on land that has been in her family now for six generations and our children are the seventh generations. My wife is a direct descendant of Pastor Heinrich Bassey who founded the first Lutheran Church, Holy Ghost Lutheran Church here in Gillespie County. I am a very conservative pro-life, pro-Second Amendment, pro-border security Republican and I'm humbly asking everyone uh, for their vote uh, in my re-election bid. I went to the University of Texas at Austin School of Law that's where I got my doctorate degree. I graduated from the University of Dallas uh, with a degree in political philosophy and a master's degree in humanities. I am board certified by the Texas Board of Legal Specialization in Criminal Law. I've been board certified in that since 2009. I am also board certified by the Texas Board of Legal Specialization in Criminal Appellate Law. I was board certified in that field in 2017. I am the only double board certified attorney in those two fields in Gillespie County and in all the adjoining counties. I've been a licensed attorney since 1993, so I'm starting on my 31st year as an attorney. Kind of tying into Kerrville, in 2006, uh, I started at the uh, 216th DA's office, which also at that time included Gillespie County. I stayed there until 2019 when I was appointed by the Gillespie County Commissioner's Court to become county attorney, and then I ran for election in 2020. Um, I have taken the challenge of taking a brand new court with a new judge through however people feel about the pandemic. We went through it. We have no COVID backlog. We have a very high efficiency rating. In 2022, which is the most recent year for which I could find statistics, we were the sixth most efficient misdemeanor court in the entire state of Texas. Um, so I'm very proud of how we're how we're doing there. As far as uh, budget, uh, oversee the budget. I've come in under budget every year, and actually I've been able to cut the budget. So I'm proud about doing that, and um, we have put together. A lot of good programs. We have over a 90% conviction rate. We have cleared numerous cases, and on appeal, I have a 100% conviction rate so far. I welcome anyone if they have any questions or concerns. I'm completely transparent, and everything we do is pretty much public, except for juveniles. And I welcome any questions from from anyone and any listener. All right. 
The only thing I cut off was the uh, thank yous at the end. And, um, folks, your uh, local elections are the most important. The most important. Y'all stay tuned for Lorraine. See y'all manana.